Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Well, the last time we chatted with Rosaria Butterfield about uh, transgenderism and pronouns and all of that, um, she mentioned that she had a book coming out that would focus on that as well as some other uh, topics that are hot-button issues that we as followers of Jesus need to really think deeply about. Five lies of our anti-Christian age. And we told her uh, when this book comes out, we wanted to have her back. And she did come back. Yes, she did. And she's very thorough and really understands what she's talking about. It's not flippant at all. She's She comes from a background where uh, she knows what she's talking about and how to get the point across and why it's important. Hi, Rosaria. How are you? Good morning, Kurt and Kate. I'm doing well in the Lord. How are you all? We're doing... Thank you. I like that. I'm doing well in the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's great. I want to say that. I'm going to steal that from you. Can I do that? Oh, please. Oh, please. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's really great. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about some of these lies. Uh, let's mm-hmm. just dive in right here. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this lie. Homosexuality is normal. So, um, so the idea that homosexuality is normal is something that your culture wants you to believe and something that the uh, Supreme Court decision in 2015 uh, that legalized gay marriage in all 50 states wants to codify in law, the Obergefell decision. Uh, the idea is that, sexu- that homosexuality is a normal sexual variant, and if it's a normal sexual variant, then the church should respond by saying, well, now look, gay people are made in the image of God too, so we better change our doctrine. Otherwise, we are, we are defying or standing against what the culture thinks to be true. Um, all of this happened in part because one of the little parts of the Supreme Court decision that legalized gay marriage was something called a dignitary harm clause. And what it said is that you're actually harming someone who is who identifies somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum, not if you deny them a job or deny them a pizza, but if you fail to affirm their identity, their sense of themselves. And all of these things are very, very personal to me because I used to be a gay rights activist. I used to live as a lesbian I believed all of the five lies I talk about in these books, in this book, and I even believed some of them after I became a Christian because I'm slow and sanctification is hard. Mm. Um, so I am not writing as somebody who's never thought about these things. I have spent the last 25 years thinking about all of these lies from all the different points of view that I can. And um, I wrote this book because a lot of other women started writing to me and saying, if Christ isn't divided, why are Christians? And so this idea that homosexuality is normal, I think is part of the ways that Christians are trying to extend compassion and grace in a pretty hostile world, but they're rewriting the Bible to do it. Because being made in the image of God being means being made according to our creational order, right? Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female, he created them. And so being made in the image of God, which every human being is, and it's, it, it's very marred. <clears throat> it's been especially marred in me for many years, but um, it's still there. And what it means is that each of us has eternity written on our hearts and on our, stamped on our souls is the knowledge, righteousness, and holiness of God. But we grow in the image of God by growing in the knowledge, righteousness, and holiness of God. We can't say that you're made in the image of God as a gay person or you're made in the image of God as a trans person because homosexuality and transgenderism, transgenderism is normal, is one of, is the fourth lie in this book. They actually come from the world, the flesh, and the devil. So you, you can't, you can grow in those things, but if you grow in those things, you're actually growing against and you're covering over the image of God. And so one of the questions this raises is, but is this fair? Hmm. You know, okay, yeah. I get it. The Bible is true, but is it fair? Hmm. And um, the reason it's fair is because Jesus came to help you fight this fight. Everyone is born with a sin or a series of sins that, um, that defy the creation ordinance on some level, some more extreme than others. And some of us don't remember a time when uh, we chose these sins. I mean, I know homeschool moms who don't remember choosing to be angry at their children. And I know people in the LGBTQ community who don't remember choosing to have uh, desires that are unholy. The point is that in Christ, we can actually battle those desires um, and get to a point where we grow in what's called progressive sanctification mm -hmm. and they no longer rule us because Christ rules us. See, and this is and the, that's the good news. That's the, exactly that that is the good news. And there's a huge difference between the person who says, I struggle with same sex attraction. Lord, this is my struggle, this is difficult, but I agree with you that this is wrong. This is a sin. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And someone who is is right. repenting and, uh, you know, wanting to follow God, wanting to be obedient. There's that person, but then there's the other person who says, you know, I'm a believer. Uh, I, I love Jesus, but I think he's okay with my homosexuality. So right. those two people are very different. Right. And we need to reconcile that. So I think what has happened is we've looked at this conversation almost in a kind of schizophrenic way, like, hmm, let's see it from the gay rights point of view. Let's look at the church's point of view. But, but the Bible is a unified biblical revelation, and we don't need to be compartmentalizing of it. We need to actually look at what God thinks, because that, you know, we're Christians. We don't throw anybody away. God doesn't throw anybody away. And the person who says, look, I tried to pray the gay away and it just didn't work is, um, is confusing something very, very significant. And it, this is it. You cannot bypass repentance to get to grace. Mm -hmm. You cannot see yourself as a victim of unholy desires. You need to own them and do battle against them because the Bible accounts them to my ledger of responsibility whether I chose them or not. The way the Westminster Confession of Faith puts it is that your will is in the motion of that desire, even if you don't ever remember choosing it. 
So that might sound like we got deep into the weeds pretty early in the morning in theology, but you know how this works. If you make an error early on in your trajectory, you're not going to end up in the same place. And I'll tell you why this is so important to me. Doctrine matters. And the doctrine under which someone is saved or thinks she's saved will matter a lot. And I look out at this world and I think to myself, you know, when I, when I started uh, coming to church and exploring, uh, turning over the pages of my heart over with the pages of the Bible and looking at my homosexuality from God's point of view, there was not an Obergefell decision. There, you know, there were gay pride marches, but you didn't have IBM, you know, having the rainbow sticker on their doors. It just, it, it was a crazy thing to even think about. <clears throat> and when I think about how hard it would be to actually come to the real Christ, the Christ of the Bible, the Christ where every word of the Bible are the words of Christ. If I, to come to that Christ in a world that says, you're fine. You know, maybe your church just needs a gay bowling league so they can change. I think I would feel like I was being torn apart by wild horses. Mm -hmm. but, but I'm here to say that it is being a born again Christian, defying your sin and no longer being enslaved to it is an authentic way to live. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. All right, I'm going to bring this up. Something that just happened, I believe it was this past weekend, at North Point Community Church in Atlanta, that's Andy Stanley's church. There was a lot of discussion about the Unconditional Conference, right, which right. was billed as a, quote, and I'm quoting here, premier event for Christian parents with LGBTQ plus children, uh, ministry leaders, and healthcare professionals. Um, my guess is you probably know something about this. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of controversy over the speakers at this event. And so when we were talking about, you know, is homosexuality being embraced by many churches, among many believers. Maybe this is a good case in point. Um, what's going on with this? What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Andy Stanley um, promotes this idea that um, being, quote-unquote, being gay is a matter of personhood. It's who you are ontologically, which is a big word meaning inherently, and it's who you are immutably, which is actually an attribute of God and not an attribute of man. And, um, and so it's heresy is what it is. And the evangelical world really got into a tizzy because in some ways, Andy Stanley came out this last Lord's Day. But can I, may I just say, he did not come out this last Lord's Day. He came out about 10 years ago when he started to advance this idea that that you may, all, God can move mountains, but he can't change your feelings. God can change all, he can heal you of cancer. He can, he can, you know, deal with your sin of addiction and your sin of gambling, but he cannot deal with the sin of homosexuality because it must not be a sin because some people feel it strongly and deeply. And that is heresy. And he was saying it 10 years ago. Yeah. So I, 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 I am a little baffled why we're all concerned about it today. 
um, uh, you know, the, the seeds of the gospel are in the garden. Uh, if you don't have an Adam who failed, you don't need a Christ who ransomed you. If you untether the New Testament from the Old Testament, which is what Andy Stanley did 10 years ago, how could you not end up here? Hmm. So while the rest of the evangelical world was in a tizzy over what Andy Stanley apparently just did, I was already in, you know, I, I had worked this out 10 years ago. I, I'm not saying, trying to be arrogant about it, but you, doctrine matters. So if you believe that your Jesus is a separate theological reality from the word of God, you have already departed from the Christian faith that saves sinners ransoms them, sets them on a new path, gives them victory, gives them hope, gives them blessing, gives them grace, and gives them a new life. So you can't do that. You, you know, the seeds of the gospel are in the garden. We have to understand that. We can't untether it there. Um, we've, you know, we need to know what time in which we live. And so I would say what Andy Stanley's um, what Andy Stanley's admission on this past Lord's Day did is it wasn't a new, he didn't say anything new. He's been saying this for 10 years. But what it does is it should help Christians see the time in which we live. And let me tell you what that time is. It's a time where the wolves are in the mega churches, in the parachurches. They are in too many pulpits. And our only strategy, the, the only strategy that evangelicalism seems to have is to say, well, let's be a soft presence. Mm -hmm. And that's a terrible strategy. That's the strategy of, that's called carrying water for the other team. Um, there is nothing wrong with being in a, a soft presence in a context where it's warranted. But when the wolves have taken over the pulpit, that is not an opportunity to close your eyes and pretend that hasn't happened. And, and I think that's why Christians do need to understand that it is a sin not only to tell a lie, but it's also a sin to believe a lie. Hmm. So for all of the people who are sitting in those conferences believing the lies of Satan spoken through the mouths of people who claim to be pastors, um, that's serious. I mean, think about the garden itself. Eve didn't sin by telling a lie. She sinned by believing a lie. And that sin was accounted to Adam because of his federal headship. And so the patterns of scripture and the details of scripture, they are our lifelines. And I know this is a very hard thing to think about, but every Christian, every mature Christian needs to learn how to hate your sin without hating yourself. That's true if your sin is homosexuality, it's true if your sin is anger, it's true if your sin is, you know, gluttony. It's just that's just that's a that's a truth that is pervasive. And part of the why of that is because the Bible is a book unique to every other book on the planet. And the Bible actually reads you as you are reading it. And the power of the resurrected Christ is the same, the same power that allowed the Lord himself to raise himself from the grave. He bestows upon believers to help you battle the sin. And the more you battle, 
the more victory you have, the more distance you feel between it. You don't forget it. I haven't been zapped. I'm not lobotomized. But by God's grace, I have been married, biblically married, to a godly man for almost as long as I've been a Christian. How could that not help me in having victory over sexual sin? And so I just, I want to, I want you to hear that even though this book does talk about being bold in defying lies, because it's a sin to believe them, I want you to hear the love in it too. There is Jesus who is leading the way. This is what it looks like to be, be to be readying yourself to be the church triumphant someday. The the, the battle is now, and it's fierce. And as I said, Christians don't throw people away. So when I say something that, when I say that, you know, homosexuality isn't normal, transgender isn't, transgenderism isn't normal, I'm not saying that there aren't people who are trapped in those sins. I, I know that. I was one of them. What I'm saying is that we don't take an anomaly and make it a norm, because we believe that people need real help and real victory. Uh, they don't need a sticker and a parade. They don't need to be listening to the Biden administration saying, go ahead and castrate your 14-year-old son in the name of the 14th Amendment. It'll, it'll all work out. Uh, that is what barbarians do. If, if the Lord tarries and we have many, many, you know, hundreds of years, uh, you know, maybe more, after these dark days, we are going to look back on these days of pervasive homosexuality and transgenderism in the same way that we look back on the days of Moloch. Why? Because LGBTQ plus is not just a, um, a, a freedom, an expression of freedom in a pluralist society for people to do what they want. LGBTQ plus has become the idol of our day. And that's where Christians need to wake up. You don't get to just leave well enough alone. You are asked to affirm it. When I met Pastor Ken Smith, and that's the pastor that the Lord used to lead me to Christ, he said, Rosaria, I can accept you as a lesbian, but I don't approve. A good question is, in a world that demands affirmation, do Christians get to say that? Or is our failure to approve and affirm itself taken as bigotry and hatred, you see where we are. Mm -hmm. we, need to, yes. we need to, in some ways, have this fight in the street. We need to be bold and loving because it is the gospel that will rescue people out of homosexuality and transgenderism, not the Biden administration, not the perversions of justice, not the medicalization of children's bodies. Um, those are very dangerous things, and Christians need to stand up and be mature and help the people like me who were once lost in these lies. How do we battle this perception of if we stand for biblical truth, which we should, obviously. I mean, that's what we're called to do mm -hmm. uh, without flinching. But, you know, everybody's pointing at us saying, you guys are a bad example of being loving and kind. You're an angry Christian. Yeah. You know, lie number two, being a spiritual person is kinder than being a biblical Christian. Yeah, that's right. So I'll tell you a place that we really saw this recently. Um, um, some friends from church and I uh, have started speaking before the legislature and also before uh, school boards 
on the subject of transgenderism and parental rights. And um, we very recently uh, were rebuked. In fact, the only time the word, my friend Andrew Branch pointed this out to me, the only time the word perverted was used at a recent school board meeting was against Christians from this um, kind of pagan spiritual perspective that says any discussion of, um, of, of reality, and I mean talking here not like the reality like male and female, that kind of reality, that is it, a form of bigotry. But I'll tell you what we learned. We spoke truth and we spoke biblical truth. Um, I shared my own testimony. Um, uh, someone else stood up and talked about Psalm 2. Someone else stood up and talked about the danger of what, her own experience and having the public schools, quote unquote, trans her child without her knowing it. And ultimately what we were doing is engaging in something that is called the doctrine of the mediatorial kingship of Christ. It means that you are calling people to Christ, not only in their personal lives, but in their office. So if you are a school board member and you support a, um, the, the legalization of the mutilation of children's bodies, and you do so in the name of your pagan notion of kind spirituality, then you are indeed hanging millstones around the necks of children. Hmm. And there will be a Christian there who will speak boldly to you. After the meeting, which was an iconic experience, which you have seen replayed on YouTube over and over again, I approached the woman who literally came to the microphone and used her three minutes to scream as a performance art. I approached her, I, I wrote my phone number, I put it in her hand, I told her, I remember being a lesbian. I remember those days. I, I haven't forgotten her or anyone else. And if she would like to talk with me privately, I would love to hear what she had to say. And so uh, that, and I do that all the time. And so other members of my, my church do this too. You should see the people who come over for dinner to my house. Hmm. So what I would say is, um, be a grown up Christian. I understand that people will yell at you. When I speak at school board meetings, I get yelled at, I get hissed, I get told that I'm a bigot, um, I'm harassed, and yet people accept invitations to dinner and we talk privately. I think what Christians have forgotten in this social media infused age is that a very powerful place to meet people is in your homes or at a coffee shop privately, no tweeting, no blogging, no making public displays, listening to people. And one of the things you're going to hear is people get tripped up in a very particular pagan doctrine. And it is the doctrine of empathy. And it is the idea that you are only kind if you stand in my shoes. But Kurt, Kate, if I am in the river drowning stuck in the mud, I don't want you to stand in my shoes. I want you to throw me a rope. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And so in some ways we are talking about a basic seventh grade logic class that you will need to sit down patiently explain mm -hmm. to your neighbors who are still trapped in these lies. So uh, what I would say, or, say is get a second cup of coffee, Christian, and get ready for the long haul. This is a marathon. It is not a sprint. I probably had 500 meals at Ken Smith's house. 
and two years of conversation before I ever stepped foot in the church. And these were Christians who understand the deeper you are in sin, the more clouded you're, and foggy and the, the deeper the tendrils are of Satan in your life. My challenge is not the pagans I meet at the school board. It's the people who think they're Christians, like Andy Stanley, who are proposing a separate gospel. Those people are much more of my problem than the person that I used to be. Hmm. Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age, brand new book from Rosaria Butterfield. By the way, Rosaria, I'm looking on Amazon right now. Let's see, number one new release in Christian discipleship, so congrats on that. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know I, what to say. I, I know, I, I paused because when Amazon gets to chapter four and they get to the part where I say transgenderism is satanic, it will no longer be on Amazon. It's on Amazon right now. But... Copy, <laughs> you might need to... <laughs> Get your copy now before they pull it off. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> They'll ban that book. Oh, boy, that was good. And, and then that you can good. sell it on the black market for groceries in six months, Christian. <laughs> See, I'm still rooting for you. <laughs> because you know what? I seriously yeah. mean it. God can use a dead book as much as he can a live one. For you. That's true. I wrote Isn't this great? Book oh, I, I want to. I want to write that down. Can I? Use, I want to steal that from you too. I want to. St- there's so much good stuff to steal from you. I love that. <laughs> Rosaria, thanks for being with us. I know you're quite busy, and uh, and we appreciate our conversations with you so much because it's not only. I mean, it's obviously Christ-centered. It's biblical, but it's winsome, and yet it's not wimpy. If you know what I mean. And I, I'm so grateful <laughs> like for that. Thank you. Thank you. I love being with you guys. Thanks for listening to Curtin Kate Morning's podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.